And welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast, the most insulting podcast in the business. Today, I am joined by the song and dance man, Matt, from Shadow People. How are you doing tonight? I am great. I see you got a dart well. there. So that's got to be feeling pretty good. Oh, yeah. So let's start off like I always do, because I'm very unoriginal and terrible at this. Where are you from? I am from uh, Baton, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You are the second Louisianan I have had on this podcast. The most people from any one state so far. Okay. Who was the other guy? Uh, it was Mike Ledette of Bushido Code. But he lives oh. in North Carolina now. But we talked about right. Louisiana. Because Louisiana is a lot cooler than North Carolina, if you don't mind me saying. Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't compare the two. I've never really lived in another state. So for me to actually say it's cooler than another state, I, I can't really give you an honest answer. I, I'm but. basing this off the fact that I live in St. Louis. And St. Louis and Louisiana will forever be interconnected as we were once part of the French Empire. Right. But I've never actually been there. So I really can't say that. And it's kind of a jerky thing for me to say. Uh, I have been to North Carolina once. And that was actually the first time I had ever been to the South, as I see it. I remember people telling me, that's not the South. That's not the South. But when I got to my hotel room, there was a race car idling in the parking lot. Right. So for me, it was the South. But tell me about Baton Rouge. I don't think that that is a city that gets a whole lot of kind of like St. Louis. Nobody really talks about us outside of here. So tell me about it. Uh, it's Man, I would say it's I would say New Orleans is a lot more uh, and honestly this, this city is it, it sucks. If you want me to be honest with you, I don't. I don't like it. It's a. It's a football, you know, city. It's, you know, they're they're not about uh, expression and stuff like that. You know, like, um, you know, art and graffiti or, you know, programs for artists, and they don't really compliment to artists. If that makes sense. Like they. You know, they don't have too many venues. It's just a boring fucking town, man, if you really want me to be honest with you. No, I, I want you to be honest, because I honestly, I yeah. know the only thing I know about Baton Rouge is that it means red stick in French. Yep. Yep. Um, it sucks. <laughs> I, wish, <laughs> I wish I could have great things to say, but... It sucks even worse. I could go 50 fucking miles on the interstate and find something way better and way cooler. And, you know, I just go to New Orleans and you can just be fucking blown away by culture and art and everything it really has to offer. You know, this place doesn't have a lot to offer. It's well, LSU. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a football guy. <laughs> I, I gathered. I gathered. You know, Uh, the one thing I can definitely say about St. Louis is we are definitely the coolest thing within 50 miles. Okay. 
That's, but I mean, if you've seen the 50 miles outside of St. Louis, that's really not saying much. Okay, well, at least I don't have a competition, right? <laughs> We've got the interstate competition between us and Kansas City, but I don't know. I don't feel like Kansas City has much of an identity like we do. It's, right. a, not, it's a nice town, don't get me wrong, but it, Kansas City just strikes me as another Midwest city. We still have the, the the very strong French influence here, and you know we're a red brick city. We're an older city, and you know it's. Well, I mean, it's also home, so of course I've got all kinds of wonderful biases that I'm sure are very scientific. The only the only person I really think of when I hear St. Louis is fucking Nelly. <laughs> and the thing about St. Louis is. You know, we, <laughs> That is true. That is completely true. And that is actually one of the, que- the, the whole reason why this podcast started is in order to get so popular that I can say no to a band that was mean to me. And there was a band and whose name I won't mention on a label whose name I won't mention until somebody gives me enough money where they, they're from St. Louis and I wanted to do a, you know, we're a quirky city. I mean, every city is quirky. And my thought process was, okay, I'll do this interview that's only this, the quirky St. Louis questions. And I'm like, right. what's your favorite Nelly song? Being silly. I mean, this is a heavy metal band. Yeah. Dude, I love Nelly. I don't, oh, I do too. I don't think that's a silly question at all. But I mean, he just took it so wrong and everything was just like, fuck you. And your questions are fucking stupid. And I'm like, okay, you clearly didn't get anything that I was trying to do. But, you know, yeah. But in terms of famous people, uh, are you a science fiction fan? Not really. Okay. Well, Scott Bakula of Enterprise and Quantum Leap is from here. Um, huh. Two people from Roseanne are from here. Jackie and uh, Jackie and Dan Connor are both from St. Louis. Uh, Jackie actually went to my high school. Um, Red Fox is from here, of course. Cedric the Entertainer, and let's see who else. John Hamm is from St. Louis. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of really famous people. Uh, Brad Pitt is from Missouri, but not from St. Louis. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nobody. And, and the people that who are from St. Louis, unless they're here, they really don't talk about it. Yeah, I think the only person, the only really, really big person I know, the biggest is, um, I'm trying to think of that girl's name. She's in the porn industry, and she, uh, she had to get hush money from from uh, Donald Trump. Stormy Davis. I, uh, yeah, yeah, she's from Baton Rouge. Is she okay? Um, okay. I knew, yeah. Uh, so basically, you have the the back end of an extreme presidential scandal exactly that's kind of cool <laughs> for somebody who is definitely not a trump supporter I, I i thank you that 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 was definitely a fun horrible time in presidential politics oh yeah i i agree i definitely agree um britney spears but that's not really that's that's more up north. That's like shit kicking North Louisiana. But see, I didn't from, even uh, know she was from Louisiana. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, 
who else? Fucking uh, <clears throat> this guy is better than Ezra. They're from <laughs> they're from Louisiana. <laughs> I oh, remember fucking them. Jared Leto is from Bossier City. That's okay, another probably, shit kicking town. I'd probably leave that one out. I'm just gonna, <laughs> yeah. That might not be that might not be the one you want to have the welcome sign home of in front of your in front of the population. Right. <laughs> uh, Eric uh, Todd Lee, he's a, a notorious serial killer. Okay. Um, What's the name again? Derek Todd Lee. I don't know him. What what was his serial killer name? Did he get one? No, no, he just had three names. He had that three name rule where the, well, the three name uh, rule is I, I'm huge into true crime. Right. So, the three name rule is in order to protect the people that have that same name. I see. So what when they like John Wayne Gacy, his his name isn't John Wayne. It's first name is John, middle name is Wayne, last name is Gacy. Huh. So they say all three in order to protect the people who might also be named John Gacy. Like a friend of mine, uh, his name is John Bobbitt. Who's John Bobbitt? You don't know who John Bobbitt is? I'm trying to think. I don't think it rings. Uh, he was an abusive husband who had his willy whacked off by his wife. Oh, okay. That guy. Yeah, yeah. the guy that's like really rich now. Is he? I don't know. He. I, I'm yeah, sure he's he, a porn star. I knew <laughs> he was for a while. I'm sure he found a way to monetize having his willy whacked off by his wife. Uh, if If you can't monetize that, what can you monetize? Yeah, he does porn now, so I gotta I gotta check that out. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to music and slightly away from porn, um, tell me about Shadow People. What 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 do you what have you got going on right now? Besides not uh, doing much for the pandemic. Right now, we uh, we go to the studio in two weeks to record some songs and. Um, that's really it you know i uh we just released this uh this one record with um this little diy label you know and that's really the most exciting thing that we have going on is this recording and it's kind of like it's kind of like every time you get a group of songs you record them and then you release them and that's this it's all just repetition you know so it's just really a fucking merry-go-round that i really enjoy going on and i don't really want to let off until it's time to write the new set of songs gotcha how for for our listeners who haven't heard you before how would you describe shadow people uh i know that's the on the spot question but no that's cool um i've heard people say uh we have elements of sludge core and elements of uh screamo and elements of um, scrams i don't i don't know what that last one is scrams is uh it's it's really just really intense emo music like when i say emo i'm talking about real emo like real midwest um you know, not not like my fucking chemical romance. It's a big thing. Like anytime I say emo, people think uh, my chemical romance and taking back Sunday and all those those bigger bands. 
um that all originated i mean it's all subgenres punk really you know that that's all it is it's just punk rock but um i feel like we take from that and a good bit of sludge and try to okay. tease it together you know try to take the the cool things that we like to do with with each genre and we just uh for some weird reason they just fuse together i'm not, I'm so, not sure how but it does you know well, and that's i mean that's always when you get people in a band that have different influences and have different methodologies and in different genres that always create something new Jimi hendrix always described his band as him being a blues man noel redding being a rock guitar player and mitch mitchell being a rhythm and blues drummer and that's what created the Jimi hendrix experience which sounded like nothing nothing else before right and that's that's always a good thing and we are at the point now in music where we've heard so much of all the we've heard all the chord progressions we've heard all the keys until somebody comes up with a brand new guitar technique that everybody else can steal like tapping or sweet picking the best way for originality is overlapping of genres and that's what i have that's what i've really enjoyed about music in the the in the 21st century is the overlapping taking and just putting things that don't work together but not in a right. prog way but in a in a new kind of way like like how rap rock was this big amazing thing back in the 90s oh yeah um actually i feel like the band that started that shit was uh i would have to give that to refused you know they didn't give that band um i think enough uh respect that i feel like they jump started that i feel like they did that first they fused that together first the first rap rock the first rap rock song i know of was by blondie in 1979 okay all right well now i see what you're going with it <laughs> and then and then in 1983 kiss did a rap rock song but it was so okay. terrible nobody remembers it except me right he didn't okay. rap the whole way through, but there was rap in it. And it's just the most ridiculous thing in the world. Okay. Yeah, I guess, I guess that, yeah, that, that's rap. But it's kind of like, like Judas Priest. You know, Black Sabbath started metal, but Judas Priest was the first band to be metal all the time. Right. Right. When you were growing up, though, what is, what's like the first album you remember buying with your own money? My own money. I gotta think about this one, man. What? I ain't gonna lie. Like a lot of um, growing up, I had a lot of that handed down to me by uh, by my brother. He was seven years older than me, so I kind of. Oh, I know. I, no, I totally, the... I totally get that. I got into music strongly around seven or eight, but I didn't actually own anything until I was twelve. Because I hung out with my cousins and I just listened to their tapes. Right. Uh, so honestly, I can't even answer this question because I don't know what the first thing I bought with my own money was. So I'm kind of a jerk for asking it. Yeah, I think maybe. Uh, I'm kind of kind of going through this this memory where I went to Warehouse Music a long time ago. That's an old company that 
you know, had CDs and stuff like that, and it was in the mall. So I don't really remember the exact moment or the exact record, but I know it was, uh, I know it was Zero Smith. I knew that. Um, it might have been big ones. It might have been like a greatest hit right, right. album, you know, but I think that's, I think that's it. Um, What's the last album you bought? Last album I bought. For me, it was a repressing of Forbidden Twisted Into Form. Huh. That arrived today. Okay. Um, and uh, spend, spend a minute to bought a record. Be honest with you, I can tell you the the record that has been given to me. All right, that that counts. What's the last record you acquired? We'll go with that. Uh, it was a guy on the other label, well, the same label that we're on, and his name's Fuzz McGee, and it's like this. uh, Is his last name really McGee, or is it like a joke? I think his last name's McGee. Okay. Yeah. Well, here uh, in St. Louis, there was a baseball player named Willie McGee, and so uh-huh. McGee is like the the name for just every the the every man here. Right. So that's why I asked. Right. I got you. Um. Yeah, it's Fuzz McGee, and he's uh I think it's just man, it's so fuzzed out. I can't tell if it's fucking guitar or bass, but it's just it kind of sounds like a drum machine in a way. Like, I know it's drums, but they fuzzed it out, and they even fuzzed the fucking drums. It actually sounds like a fucking, um, it sounds like a fucking uh, drum machine. I have one uh, album that's got fuzzy drums, but it's not a band, per se. It's 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 a duo. It's a dude and a, an electric piano and a drummer. So they can fuzz it, and it sounds good because it's not too squished. Uh-huh. But that's the only one I know of. Yeah, I think he, uh, I think he plays an acoustic. Like he fuzzes out. He plugs in an acoustic and actually puts a fuzz pedal on that. And that's even worse than me. I have three. I have three distortion pedals on my pedal board. Right. Which ones? Uh, it. I have a Joyo Overdrive into a Boss. Uh, hyper metal into a dod death metal huh okay yeah they, have, diff- uh, only they have different uses but i do use them all together right the death yeah, metal pedal I- is actually the best for solos because it has the best sustain of any distortion pedal i've ever touched huh right i uh Man, I only use one distortion pedal. I um, <clears throat> I play in a Marshall JCM 900, and the clean channel actually has a little dirt on it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's actually kind of like McQueen. And then uh, I just plug it in into a uh, Boss Fuzz and a Boss Delay pedal. That's really it. I, I just use two two pedals for what we do. I. I use a lot of pedals when I play to hide my crapness. Because <laughs> the more right. pedals I can stick on there, the better I sound. 
Right. But I mean, in fairness, The Edge did the same thing. Did you ever see that movie? It might be loud. I have not. If if you're like into guitar nerdery, it is definitely a great flick. It is Jimmy Page, Jack White, and The Edge hanging out and jamming for two hours. Huh. They're teaching each other each other's songs and just having a blast. But then they have like moments where they're 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 by themselves too. And The Edge plays this riff and he goes, see, it doesn't sound that good, but when I put this pedal, this pedal, this pedal, and that pedal on it, it sounds great. Right. And there you go. And he's made a squillion dollars, so that's the right way to do it. Right. That and I get all, the more distortion you have, the, you know, you can hide your stupid fingers, which I've got very stupid fingers. I failed at being a failed musician. I wasn't, I didn't get far enough to be a failed musician. I failed at failing. <laughs> but I mean, tell right. me about, you know, what's, what's some of your favorite music growing up that, or what, what, uh, are, you, what are you listening to now? What, 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 like, what modern music are you, are you listening to? <laughs> or we can do the um, grow up one, growing up one first, whichever whichever way you want to go. Well, I mean, to be honest, I find a lot of the same music I grew up to, I still listen to. You know, I'll, I'll still jam that shit, whether it's um, like a B side or anything that's not a single off that specific record. Um, my main go to would probably be Melancholy and Infinite Sadness. Smash okay. Oh, I remember yeah, that. That's... <laughs> I saw yeah, them that's... on. I think I saw them on that tour. Uh, I'm not sure. I saw them at Lollapalooza after, but they had to follow the Beastie Boys, which is unfair. Right. <laughs> Damn. I mean, could you imagine no. following the Beastie Boys? I couldn't. I Neither could, could they, and we saw them halfway through the tour. And they were kind of over it at that point because the Beastie Boys right. would come out and just wear everybody out. And then, anyway, that's neither here nor there, I guess. Beastie Boys put on a great right. show, I'll say that. Oh, yeah. Um, that's actually yeah, a band that's... that I got into when, when they were brand new. I got into them on their first album and I just never, never stopped. Still listening to so them. Like, yeah. Yeah, you're talking about Gish? No, Beastie you're Boys. talking about, um, oh, Beastie Boys? No, okay. I, am not, I am not a fan of Smashing Pumpkins. It just never, it never clicked for me. Right. But what's funny is Billy Corgan, before Smashing Pumpkins, was a total metal dude. Oh. He, had a, he had a metal band when he was a teenager. Nothing ever I came of that. it. I mean, well, I mean, everybody did. <laughs> everybody that made it. Right. Made it. I just thought that was interesting because he, I mean, back in the nineties, you had to, you had to play a role and you had to play a role in the pretend civil war of grunge versus grunge versus metal. Right. What are, what are you digging? What are you digging this new? That's new. Mm-hmm. Uh, would it be fucked up if I said uh, Cardi B? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wouldn't. You know, no. uh, Miles, and I'll I'll say this fifteen times a day till I die. There's no such thing. Genre of genre really doesn't exist. It's not a thing. 
there's two kinds of music. There's good and bad. Genre just helps you know if it fits in your tastes easier. But if you look at my record collection, you will find gospel. You will find Broadway. You will find classical. You will find opera. You will find country. And you will find satanic death metal and black metal and every other kind of extreme metal you can find and all points in between. Right. You know, I... I'm actually kicking myself because on Easter I was going to listen to Jesus Christ Superstar front to back, and I forgot uh-huh. to. Because I've of course I've got that I've got Cats I've got Oklahoma. Yeah, Cats. <laughs> no, it was like two bucks at a garage sale. Of course I bought Cats, but a couple of months ago, a buddy of mine sends me a text and he's like, "Hey, I got these records. Do you want them?" Because I had given him a couple of records because he plays banjo, so. I gave him a couple banjo records that I had because I've actually got a lot more banjo records than I would expect. I probably got about 20 different banjo records over different genres, but he's, he sends me a picture of my fair lady and stuff like that. And I looked at him and I go, thanks dude, but I have those. He's like, what? I thought I finally found some records you didn't have. I'm like, nope, nope. I saw my fair lady at the Fox and yeah, I bought the soundtrack because it's great. And, you know, I, I love Nelly and I love uh, one band I'm really into is um, they're a, a legendary underground hip hop band called The Coup, fronted by Boots Riley. He did, uh, huh. he did a couple albums with Tom Morello in the, the mid aughts under the name Street Sweeper Social Club, which loved that too. Nobody else seemed to care, but I liked it. Yeah, I need to check that out. If you want to listen to Tom Morello going crazy on the guitar like he did for Rage Against the Machine, but with way better songs, I would totally recommend it. Okay. What's the I don't like Street Sweepers Social Club. They did a self-titled and they did an EP that was half covers called Ghetto Blaster. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I just never liked Rage Against the Machine. I know I'm supposed to. Uh, I... Of course, I liked it when I was younger. You know, I, I loved it when I was younger, but now it's just—I don't know, man. I just can't really—I just can't really get into it for whatever reason. You know, I, I mean, I kind of like the first album, but the first album, I don't feel really captured who they were. Right. I think the first album was un, unlike a lot of bands. The their first album wasn't their quintessential defining album and then when Uh they became who they were i just remember looking at it going no i'm good i'm gonna walk away and that's right um, and actually like the first street super social club song i'd ever heard i didn't realize tom morello was in it it wasn't until i went to the store and i saw his name on the front of it and i almost put it back and walked away (laughs) right i'm glad i didn't but i almost did uh, I feel like he does. He did a lot more off the wall shit on the first album. Yeah, you're I, right. Um, I thought he was more off the wall on later albums. Yeah, I, I think he was more. <clears throat> I don't know. It's, there's something about a band's first album where they're, you know, like you said, they're still trying to explore stuff, and you know, they don't, they don't really know what they exactly want to sound like. And Completely. I think, 
I think those are always the best ones for whatever reason. A know? lot. The, the first, your first album really should be your best because it's the album you had your whole life to write. Huh. And there are some bands that did that. Kiss's first album is the greatest thing they ever did by far. Pink Floyd put out a really great first album and Metallica put out an, an amazing first album. Megadeth, Obituary's first album was great. But some bands haven't found themselves yet. And I, I think on Rage Against the Machine's album, first album, they had found what they wanted to be, but had not found out how to be that yet. Right. So like if I think about like Gorilla Radio or okay, what's that song? The one rally around the family, pocket full of shells, wow, wow, chicka chicka, wow, wow, chicka. People, people of the sun. No, it's not that one. Um, oh no, no, it's rally around the family with a pocket full of shells. Rally around the family with a pocket full of shells. Yeah, that's people of the sun. Is it? Yes, yeah, for the people of the sun, it's coming around around again. Okay, I gotta look it up now. Fuck, man! Now you got my head fucked up. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe that's a similar song. Now that I'm thinking about it. Bulls on parade. Bulls on parade. That's it. Okay. That's the one. I think I think Bulls on parade was the first, definitely the first single they released that really that was like their coming out party of this is the band we always wanted to be. And that was the path they went the whole rest of the way. You know, he was using the Digitech whammy pedal to create those weird octave noises. And then on top of that, he was scratching. The the guitar solo was like DJ scratches on the guitar. And the lyrics were a lot more subtle than they were on the first. Like Zach Taylor Roach's lyrics on the first record were very upfront. There was no subtlety to them. He had toned that. He had toned that down a little bit. Gained some subtlety. He gained subtlety, and Tom Morello went forward. Which, right. and that, and when I heard that, that just wasn't. I don't know. That just it. I walked away, and I right. don't regret that. I haven't actually, and I have not. I haven't gone back to look at it at all. So. But aside from Cardi B, what other kind of music are you listening, do you like or enjoy that might seem strange for people who listen to your music? Uh, I don't really think. I mean, just just the other day, I was I was kind of having some nostalgic and. uh this nostalgic feeling and I was listening to fucking blues traveler, you know? Oh my. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, that brought me back like, like that, you know, I was listening to that song hook and I was just like, I'm going to oh, tell fuck. you did, did not see that coming. You did not see that coming. Right. <laughs> but that's good. I mean, that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing that I, I think everybody should have something like that where they can say, this is the kind of thing that I'm listening to, and it surprises people. Yeah, there's you know, that. Of, um, I'm trying to think what else would be surprising. Um, man, 
you're probably gonna laugh at this, but there is this one song that and God help the bitch. I mean she's got a she's got a gap in her teeth. It's actually kinda cute. Um fucking jewel. That one fucking jewel song. My wife loves um, Jewel. Loves her to death. Yeah. Now <laughs> I fucking hate Jewel, but <clears throat> the way you see, I, I try to find the good out of anything. And that's that's what I try to do. When I look at a person and I know that they could be a piece of shit and they could be this and that. I I try to analyze the reasons why I think so, but at the same time, I try to find every piece of good stuff I possibly can about somebody before I dismiss them. I try to do that with everything, you know? I try to do that, especially with music. So I'll listen to some out-of-whack shit and still try to get credit or give it credit for being a good song, you know? And that I, I, I agree with that, and that's why I say many times this just doesn't fit my personal taste. Like right. Smashing Pumpkins, it's it's not bad. It's very good music. It's just not my taste. Right, right. So even listening to a fucking Jewel song, I could you know, like you said, I could say it's not my taste, but I can appreciate. Um, a song a well-written song for what it is agree you know same with uh same with fucking prince i can appreciate the shit out of that i wish i could tell you that i'm a prince fan right but i'm not i i have never heard and that is not a slagging on his talent on his songwriting or anything he is an amazing he was an amazing player he was an amazing writer and probably one of the craziest eccentrics ever to live in the music industry. Mm -hmm. But I don't enjoy his music. Yeah, uh, I'm not a big fan either. Um, there's just a you know few hey unselected songs I like. Like uh, I like that song Sheila. You know that that song really actually uh, pumps me up pretty hard. You know, uh, a couple of months, a couple of years ago my wife made me go see Melissa Etheridge with her and her, her tour booker at that time made a terrible mistake because Neil Young was playing at the venue that she should have been playing at. She, so the, the oh. 5,000 seater was booked. So she had to play a 250 seater. So we saw Melissa Etheridge in this tiny little room it's an amazing room though, an amazing room. And she she was touring on this album that I ended up buying a couple year a year after that. It was a blues cover album. And oh. I don't like Melissa Etheridge and I figured out why. What I don't like about her is she's always playing a 12-string guitar. Right. And I 12-string guitars are like chocolate sauce. You don't put it on everything. You only put it where it counts. She disagrees. I agree. And she plays 12 string guitar and everything and it's too jangly and I can't I can't get behind <laughs> it. But on this record, yeah. she played a Les Paul Custom, Les Paul Custom, uh, Tuxedo Les Paul Custom and it sounds great and it's all these blues tunes and it's it's just an amazing record. 
So that would be my answer. That's something, you know, and I did when I, after I bought it on vinyl, I didn't put it on her shelf. I put it on my shelf because I'm going to listen to right. it. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of uh, 12 singer guitars. Always felt like it was, um, always think like the six extra strings are just there to show people, hey, I can do more even with all these other strings. And it's really just, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, they're octaves of each string, right? Like the first, like it's an octave, like each octave is two strings. Well, all that tells me is saying, hey, I have these six other strings and I can still play the song. So <laughs> for me, I, just, I never really got into it. Like, like I said, it's got its moments. Jimmy Page used the 12 string guitar, I think, to great effect. But he didn't use it on every song or even on every album. Just little bits right. here and there. And it just when you play the 12 string all the time, it just takes away all the things I love about guitar. Right. You've got to play it that way. It's not like an eight string or a nine string where you can play, you know, the same, you, you can play six string stuff on a nine string, but you can't play six string stuff on a 12 string. Right. So, but speaking of guys with extra strings, who do you, who do you dig that has extra strings? I, I don't think anybody. Not like, even I'm, some I'm, guy. Uh, I mean, you say extra strings. I mean, I can, uh, I mean, if we're talking about seven strings or eight strings and stuff yeah. like that. I yeah, can, that's what I mean. Uh, I'm pretty sure the guys in Deftones, I'm pretty sure they use eight-string guitars. Do they? Um, there's a guy out, his, his name is Felix Martin. He's from Venezuela, I believe. He plays uh -huh. two nine-string guitars simultaneously. Oh, wow. He's ambidextrous, and he plays like this. All right. One of the craziest things I've ever seen. Seeing him in concert was amazing. That's... Huh. It's... It is... A, it's gimmicky, but it's still really cool. Yeah. And then his bass yeah. player plays, like... Uh, a 12 string bass too doing the same stuff oh there's, fuck there's one neck on the bass but I think it's cool um, when it comes you know how what, who's the first artist you remember growing up who, who was the first and it doesn't even have to be somebody that was an influence on you but just tell me about the first person you remember seeing on television or hearing on the radio that made you think huh Music, huh? Uh, if I had to say anything, it would probably be my, my dad. He he always had this, this shitty-ass broken-down Cougar, and he'd drive his office. It smelled like coffee and stuff like that. And I remember him listening to um, fucking Soul Man. You know, you know, just that's that's the only thing I heard. Is, I'm a soul man. Tell me, it was the Blues Brothers. No, <sighs> no, it was uh, what's his face? The uh, guy, he was in Rocky and all kinds of shit. I can't think of his name. Oh, um, uh, James Brown. 
Yeah, James Brown. God rest that, him. That was, you know, I heard that, and I was just like, you know, huh, what the fuck? And then a week later, I'd hear something kind of like uh, Steppenwolf, you know? And I was like, hmm, okay. You know, From James Brown really... to Steppenwolf. That's a bit of a go. Yeah. And then from that would be uh, Billy Joel. And I think but, I, but I heard... Billy Joel, what is the earliest Billy Joel song you remember? Uh, that I remember... I mean, I remember a good bit of them just because they got played front to back in every, you know car ride that I had, you know, with, with either, yeah, pretty much my, my dad, you know, so, I mean, I remember all of them. The, be, the first Billy Joel song I remember hearing is Uptown Girl. Uh, and to this day, I don't know what the hell that means. Right. Why is Downtown right. Bad uh, Uptown's, I don't know, I don't get it. I have no idea either. I think maybe he thought uptown was more like kind of like mid city, as far as being downtown is more like the the trash shit, you know. Like maybe he was talking about maybe it was a New York thing, and I you just gotta know. Uh, but so. I mean, the thing about it being just a New York thing, I mean, thirty million people live there. You've already got a tenth of the country that that understands your joke, so I'm just not one of them. New York state of mind. You, um, you know, I, I do love New York, but I could never live there. I've I've never been there. I've never really been out of the South. Like I've I've been to maybe four states. That's it. I've never been out there. Uh, I out would, there you know, I, I would recommend getting through as the thing about America. And you know, actually, on Saturday, I interviewed uh, a French death metal band, and. America is a lot like Europe, except we all, most of us speak English because all the states are so different. Right. Like in Missouri, Missouri is a very weird state because we fight ourselves. And each, any fight there is, Missouri is going to fight Missouri first. Right. It goes back to the Civil War. In the Civil War, Missouri did not join the Confederacy or the Union it fought itself over which side it was going to join. And by the time we were done, the war was over. So, yeah, I mean, we we will fight ourselves any chance we get and shoot ourselves in the foot to get out of that fight. It's ridiculous. But then you go to Iowa and it's all rural farms and you go to Minnesota and it's like Canada. And I've, I've been to most of the states that are east of me. Right. Not many West, but it's it's amazing how different because the size of America and all of the different influences that that created each state go back really far. Like even though even though we haven't been remotely French in over two hundred years, there's still a strong French influence here. I agree. Same as down there, I'm sure. I know all about it. <laughs> I got a cramp. I got a cramp. I'm going to sit this way. Sorry, that's very unprofessional. But I can't get it to go away. Yeah, you good. But Why don't you take some calcium, huh? Uh, I could have a banana, but I don't have any. 
<laughs> so what, tell me about what do you, when you, when you're listening to your music, listening back or playing it, hearing it through the monitors, what do you see? What do you see in your head? What pictures? Uh, I see a I guess I would see myself playing it on a stage um, and when I see that I go to a specific feeling that I only get playing on a stage it's that only feeling that it's it's probably the the next closest feeling to being high off an oak wood, you know, or or fucking heroin or or whatever else, whatever else drug, you know. That's the closest thing I can describe it to. Um and I don't know, it's it's an expression like I, I can't I don't I don't really know how to describe that feeling you know it's a it's almost it's a spiritual feeling almost um but that's every time I listen to our songs that's that's what I feel I get like a little bit a little bit of that uh that feeling as if I was playing on a stage that's awesome I I have Um, I have never heard anybody say anything like that that's amazing thank you here is a question that um, I have asked a thousand times and nobody's ever answered it properly. What, who, is, who influenced your music that people, would they, who actually influenced your music that would surprise people to hear it, to hear you say that this person did? Uh, let's see. Violet films. Really? Um, I cannot stand that band. It's not their fault, though. It's not their fault. Right. It's, I I have um, one of my like weird things is I can't hear a song twice in a day. Uh huh. I can't blame you. (laughs) I I can't, if, if I hear something too many times, I hate it. And I was hanging out with a friend of mine and his girlfriend, and she had just gotten a Violent Femmes tape. And I swear to God, she listened to it six times in a row. So when I hear Blister in the Sun, just that, that, it's like somebody putting nails into my ears. Oh, I agree. I, I personally hate that fucking song. I like every other song every every other song i got a big thing with um with singles that get released from bands you know it's almost like when a radio picks them they want you to hear this one song well why the fuck should somebody show me what they want me to listen to why don't i actually buy the record put it in a cd player or, or 
record player or whatever cassette player and I actually listen to the whole fucking thing and I decide what I want to listen to on that record. I agree. You know? I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been burned by a single. <laughs> there... Exactly. I, I hate it. I, I try to avoid them at all costs, to be honest with you. If somebody says, oh, hey, here's our new single. I was like, no, I, I want to hear everything else besides that. Oh, there's, there's a lot of bands. Well, I mean, the single is always created by the record companies in order to gain interest in the albums. And so rarely, in my humble opinion, does the single actually work as as, rep- as a representative of an album. The best one I can right. think of, of course, is uh, Another Brick in the Wall Part 2. That, of course, definitely summed up that album. But oh yeah, there, there was a band here in St. Louis called Cavo. They might still exist. I don't know. They had this song called Champagne, which was this amazing alt-rock song. Bought the album. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my God. They, they sold their soul to the devil for a single. They did not. They did not bargain on that deal. That's all I'm going to say. Right. I don't. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> but uh, speaking of singles, uh, we're gonna we're gonna end this out by playing uh, uh, your your single, <laughs> uh, "Every Man's uh-huh. a Sot." So tell us about that <laughs> one for the people that haven't heard it. Uh, "Every Man a Sot" is the so the governor uh, in Louisiana a long time ago, they had governor called, uh, his name was Huey P. Long, and his saying was, every man a king, no one wears a crown. And so I kind of took that that reference and I twisted it around. And because I felt like, I felt like Huey's take on Louisiana, he was trying to put a lot of pride in Louisiana. Well, my take on this, on this state is I'm not, I'm not trying to put any pride in this, this state because it fucking sucks. Do you want me to be honest with you? So, Always honest. Honest uh, is better. Yeah. Uh, I, I do uh, have a lot of recovery background. I uh, actually make three years sober um, in about, 15 days awesome congratulations so, thank you um so Assad is just an old drunkard um and that's actually an AA reference and um so the lyric is uh every man Assad um every man goes down and that's basically just saying that everybody in this town lights get fucked up and there's nothing to do there's nothing to there's nothing to do but get fucked up and watch a watch a football game. That's it, you know. Um, so you'll find that there's a lot of drug use, more so in these these smaller towns. I feel like in these fucking big big cities. I can Just, tell you the opium opium the opioid crisis in in Missouri hits hardest in the smaller in the smaller towns than it does in the cities. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just I feel like if there's more things to do, then you wouldn't have these kids, um, you know, putting heroin in the, in their veins, you know. 
I agree. I think uh, I think we just had more stuff to do. If there's more expression, you know, and stuff like that, that's that's what the song's about. And it's kind of um, just calling a take of a, a overdose that I endured in 2016, and I got incarcerated over it. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. Well, so, I, I, normally I would say awesome, but of course that's not. Uh, I will say thank you for sharing that because that that's very uh, and for sure. Um, but with that, I'm going to say everybody check out the the Every Man's a Sock coming up next. Where can people where can people buy this? Where can they where can they check it out? Uh, they can buy it off uh, Bandcamp if they put in our tag. It's going to be uh, or the URL is Shadow People Baton Rouge dot bandcamp.com um bandcamp's usually where we'll get the revenue if you want to support the band um, i will but, i will say every day i strongly support bandcamp purchases oh fuck yeah dude i love i love bandcamp i, I love bandcamp and i love the things they do for the artists but um everything else is on all streaming services and if they would like to just buy it or listen to it there. They're more than welcome to do that. Awesome. Thank you very much for taking some time for me tonight, Matt. I really appreciate it. Check it out. Every man's a sot. And uh, thank you for listening to the Glacially Musical Podcast. I will have a tagline before I die.